What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another SmackDown Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, just a few hours away from Crown Jewel, but that doesn't mean I'm not doing a SmackDown Roundup. There was still a bunch to discuss, and that's exactly what we're going to do here today. But I might make this one a little shorter than usual because I'm going to be back here immediately after Crown Jewel, back on this mic talking about everything that happened there. But, like I said, still some stuff to discuss, so let's just get right into it. SmackDown this week began with Liv Morgan versus Sonya Deville in a no-disqualification match. The match kicks into high gear right away with some kendo stick action, and then Liv reversed a German suplex from the apron by jumping backwards to smash her and Sonya through a table. Sonya... Oh, thought my, I'm really, I'm, I jump right in this, I get excited, I always forget to mute my computer, my apologies. Um, that spot right there, though, where where Sonya and Liv were on the apron, and Liv pushed herself backwards to push them through the table was great. I saw a bunch of people talking about it on social media afterwards as well, definitely something you don't normally see, uh, and I'm really feeling Liv uh, in her ECW era, just going full extreme, full hardcore, really embracing this uh, evil side of her. No, I shouldn't say evil, this twisted side of her character, because it's not evil. She's still a babyface. Um, I don't want to say crazy either, because I feel like crazy implies a certain character trait that we've seen too many times. And I don't want to say that she's turned crazy, because she still seems to be the same Liv Morgan, it just seems to be a little more hardcore, hardcore Liv Morgan, Sonya tossed a bunch of chairs in the ring at one point, and then powerbombed Liv through all of them, off the middle rope, Liv kicked out though, and later hit an oblivion through those same chairs for the win, this was a fun way to kick off the show, I felt like it had been properly hyped for a few weeks, and I, I actually... I, I like that there seem to be a, a there, there seem to be an array of different types of programs going on right now and feuds and such where you've got these little mini feuds going on again, short term stuff to help someone regain some momentum, long term puzzle pieces being put into place, um, you know, regular length feuds. There's lots of stuff going on, and I felt like this was a good follow up to Liv Morgan losing the SmackDown Women's title because all it did was help her regain a little bit of credibility and at the same time have uh, you know add a new layer to her character and then we get this blow-off match and it made her look good in the end. It, it made Liv look like she is someone who has uh, snapped to some degree and is not to be messed with anymore and so I like that. Next, we had Emma interviewed backstage about her return last week, and she gets interrupted by Zia Lee, who says that Emma lost and she's weak. Emma says, one, that was against Ronda Rousey, and two, then Dex Zia Lee. This was quick, not a lot to analyze here, but I will say it was great to see Zia Lee back on TV. I'm a big Zia Lee fan. I think she's got a cool vibe to her when she's in the ring. I like her character as well. So I'm happy to see her being utilized. And I also think it was good to follow up on Emma returning to WWE because if they hadn't said anything about it, that would have been weird. It would have made it seem like it was a one-off. And so I'm happy to I'm happy that they're they're giving Emma a follow-up feud, even if it's something small and 
maybe not something super important in, in Zia Lee, just something small, something to give her a little bit of momentum. Those things are important, in my opinion. Give Emma a little bit of momentum here, give her a little bit of momentum there, and eventually maybe she can get another SmackDown women's title shot. Next, there was a video package hyping Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns and also promoting that Jake Paul will be ringside for the match to support his brother. I didn't have time to do a full predictions podcast. Just wouldn't have made sense because the pay-per-view is tomorrow morning and I have to do, and I'm, we're doing this SmackDown one. So I didn't want to do a full predictions podcast, but I will say, if, I, if, if someone asked, if someone were to ask me who I think is winning between Logan Paul and Roman Reigns, I'm saying Roman Reigns. There's no way, there's no way that Logan Paul is going to be the one to dethrone the tribal chief. I do expect it to be an entertaining match between the two of them. Logan Paul has shown that if he puts his mind to it, he can have an entertaining match in the ring. Obviously, this is only number three, so who, who knows? But I do think that Roman Reigns has taken this one home. Even if Jake Paul's ringside, I think the smart thing to do here would be to have him beat Logan and somehow also set up Roman Reigns versus Jake Paul for another match in Saudi Arabia down the line. I could see that being a thing that happens out of this as well. Because honestly, seeing Jake and Logan in the press conference uh, together... That took place on Friday. They do just kind of look like they belong in wrestling. They could play babyface. They can play heel. They they are uh, polarizing people. They're athletic. Um, and I don't think... I, I, I do think that we are eventually going to get Roman Reigns versus Jake Paul. So, I think... Roman wins, and then there's some sort of face-off between Jake and him afterwards. That's my guess. That's what I think is going to happen. Next, there was a Viking Raiders vignette. And since we see the Viking Raiders in it, we've seen them now, it's now starting to feel like these are more vignettes to promote a new look for Sarah Rowe as the manager of this group. And I'm hyped to see her back. I think that she definitely is going to add something to the Viking Raiders in some way. I mean, if you follow her on social media, she does live that Viking lifestyle. And I think that when I've seen, you know, Viking stuff on TV, the women have some cool looks. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Sarah Rose whole vibe is once she comes back with the Viking Raiders. And good for her. Good for her that she's that she's back. It's cool to see some of these new moms just still being able to do what they want to do while also having families like Candice LeRae and you know, Sarah Rowe, Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch. Um, really cool to see the advancing of, of wrestling and how people can do both. I like it. Next, there was Ricochet versus LA Knight. Knight talks crap on the mic on his way to the ring and begins to berate ring announcer Samantha Irving. This, of course, angered her boyfriend Ricochet, who dove on him outside the ring. And the match eventually began once they were back in the ring. The finish saw LA Knight steal a win by rolling through on a roll-up attempt and holding Ricochet's tights. What I liked most about this match is that it felt like two performers being given the freedom to perform the way that they see fit for their characters. And 
it's just a small thing, you know, but you've really, it, at least from my perspective, you've really seen just these past couple of weeks uh, a new energy ex- like exuding from from um, from L.A. Knight. The fact that he has Triple H believing in his character again, believing in his ability on, on, on SmackDown, on the main roster, I think it's just firing up in a way that is starting to get him the attention that he deserves. He is really good on the mic. He is a really good performer. He is entertaining. So to see him kind of get this new motivation to prove everyone to prove to everyone that that he is a, that he could be a future main eventer, I see it in him. You can see it when you're watching a a, a renewed passion in his eyes that wasn't there when he was doing the Max Dupree stuff. He really wants this to work. In Ricochet too, I mean, I think that with Ricochet I know when I when Triple H came back, I wanted a massive push for Ricochet, but I also understand that Ricochet has some building to do, and I think that you know feuds like this with LA Knight, where they're maybe not necessarily you know for a title or for you know something big, but just like I was talking earlier, Emma and Zia Lee or you know Liv Morgan and Sonya Deville, these little mini feuds help too. They, 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 I always look at it like the video games where when someone wins, when someone ends a feud that's successful, one that people like, they both gain from it. They both get like their meter bar moving up a little bit, you know, it's like little by little and the crowd believes in them more and more. And so these little mini feuds are helpful and Ricochet kind of getting to be the character Ricochet sees himself as has been helping him as well. And so using these two guys to kind of help elevate each other is smart move in my opinion. I'm also noticing that SmackDown is becoming more of the NXT-like show of the old, NXT of old, getting Shayna Baszler, Ricochet, LA Knight, Viking Raiders, Liv Morgan, Sonya Deville, Emma... Um, you know, Bray Wyatt, Gunther, um, you know, a lot of legato. Um, these are all names of people that made their way through NXT. And I know that when you look at the roster in general, it's like that now, but these are all names that I do associate more with NXT. Maybe not so much Liv Morgan because she was only there in the beginning and, you know, or, you know, she wasn't as, you know, as prominent on NXT TV, but she was there. I'm just, I'm getting a, a real NXT vibe from SmackDown as the weeks go on. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I'm, I'm starting to notice that Raw is kind of like what people used to remember Raw as. Still sports entertainment. And so is SmackDown sports entertainment. But I'm just noticing more of an NXT vibe. Tweet me. Tell me if you think I'm crazy for that. Because I I, I I don't think it's just me who's been noticing that. After that, the bloodline was backstage. Jey Uso tells everyone that he wants to go to the ring to let the brawling brutes know what they're going to do to them at Crown Jewel. And Sammy tries to talk Jay out of this. But Jay says it's not a bloodline thing. It's a Nuso thing. And uh, Jimmy actually agrees with Sammy. And the two of them head to the ring. Next, there was Bray Wyatt backstage. And, okay, I didn't write out all the things he was saying here because he was saying a lot. But I wrote down some of them. So Bray was talking about how the concept of sharing his feelings are new to him. 
which makes it hard when he's interrupted by someone, and then someone in the background seems to kind of interrupt, and he gets mad at them, uh, says he can't stand how he's thinking about things right now, and also says that he wants to smash this guy's head through the wall, and he tells the guy to say sorry, which he does, but before that, we can see more video cutting in of Uncle Howdy speaking to Bray Wyatt. Um, I think the part that I didn't write down here might be the most pertinent to what was going on here. Him just talking about how he wants 30 seconds to talk. Like, he wants 30 seconds to talk to someone. Like, but it's so hard to to get a, a word with him. Is kind of what I, what I think I got from that. And it seemed like he was saying he wants to be able to talk to Howdy, but Howdy can only talk to him. Did I misinterpret that? I don't know. I almost say this was a weak segment with Bray Wyatt. It was a little more confusing, though. Um, I felt like after the introduction of Uncle Howdy, I wanted a little more Howdy action, and we didn't really get much of it. And we didn't really get too much of it. Yes, what Uncle Howdy said clearly messed with Bray Wyatt's head last week, and he's been dealing with it. And he's been struggling because... He's trying to reveal his true self, and, and and something says that this real true self that he thinks he is isn't who he actually is, and he needs to stop lying to himself. So there's clearly some, some inner turmoil going on in Bray Wyatt's brain, which is relatable. And um, yeah, I, I just felt like out of all the segments, unless I missed something, I... I almost felt like it was a little bit of filler until Extreme Rules when we might get something a little more, something that I can sink my teeth into a little more. Next, after that, the Usos come out. The Usos talk about being close to making history as the longest tag champs in WWE. And honestly, at this point, as they were talking, I legitimately was thinking to myself because they had said the Brawling Brutes so many times in that other backstage I was thinking man the brawling brutes are going to come out here and New Day is just not saying anything like New Day is just not caring about the fact that their record's about to get broken they're just chilling backstage nothing to say about it so when when New Day's music hit I actually popped since they're the current record holders and I wanted to see them address the fact that they're about to lose their record New Day say though if they if uh, the Usos get through the brawling brutes they'll be waiting on american soil for the usos when they return in order to protect their record <clears throat> excuse me butch and ridge then attack the usos from behind and they all team up to beat jimmy and jay solo and sammy then intervene to even the odds and the bloodline eventually stand tall i thought this was Good. I thought this is, ex like I said, I, I was wondering where New Day has been, like why they don't care. Um, so the fact that they do care, they get winner of, of, the t of the match next week on SmackDown makes all the sense in the world to me. Yes, I know we've gotten the Usos versus the New Day a lot. They've, they've wrestled against each other a lot. They've feuded against each other a lot. I don't know if I necessarily need a full-blown feud out of it. However, I just wanted to see New Day caring about their record because we know it's important to them. And I don't even know how I feel about the record going away. I felt like New Day should have kept that record. It, 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 it was very recent. They named they were named on all these 
lists as best tag team of all time in WWE, and now, now it's already kind of like, uh, uh, it might be a step beneath that suddenly. And I don't like that. I, I think New Day deserve to have that notch in their belt. All right, let's get to a quick commercial break, and then I'll be back with my thoughts on the rest of the show. Rey Mysterio was interviewed backstage after that. Rey says that he loves competing in WWE and that he's given his whole life to this business, but now he's haunted by the memories of his son. Tonight, though, he wants to show that even in the worst of times, you have to keep fighting on. This was a small thing, nothing too much to analyze here, but I think they did a really good job of promoting this main event and and building towards it. Shayna Baszler with Ronda Rousey versus Natalia. Finally, a duo of Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. The fact that it's taken this long is insane to me. But now that we're here, I'm pumped, dude. They were even mentioning the four horsewomen of MMA on commentary. And it was just, it was, it just makes sense for these two to, to be a unit together. And for Ronda to be there to bring out the old Shayna Baszler is such a smart call because you do need to signal to the viewer who's only been watching the main roster that Shayna Baszler used to be an absolute killer. Killer. She was one of the best NXT Women's Champions of all time. One of the best runs ever in that brand. I don't care what you say. You might disagree with me. I don't care. I loved it. I loved Shayna Baszler's run as a heel there. So, now that we're getting a taste of that again, I am so thrilled. It's just like, it's great to watch the shows and see people's value being maximized. That's what I want to see is people's values being maximized because it's hard to lend your support for a wrestler if you think that they're just going to lose. If you think that they're not an absolute badass. If you think they're not cool, you're not going to be cheering for them. If you don't think they have any credibility, you're not going to be cheering for them. But little by little, week by week, show by show, day by day, Triple H is rebuilding credibility across the roster. So Shayna Baszler being one of the people who is getting that treatment makes me stoked because I think she will be a future women's champion once again. And I'm really interested to see how things play out with her and Ronda Rousey as a unit because the two of them as women's tag team champions while also Ronda holds the women's title sounds like money. I don't care. I liked it when Shayna was the ultimate bad guy who held the title in captivity it felt like. And it was it almost was like impossible for anyone to take it from her. I want that same vibe again because when someone does beat her for it, it's huge. So I'm pumped that they're together again. Ronda healed it up on the outside, cheering for her friend Shayna. And Baszler eventually won with the Kira Fuda clutch. They said on commentary, the OG Baszler appears to be back. And after the match, Ronda stops Shayna from leaving and instructs her to take out Natalia one more time. So Baszler turns around and hits a brutal running knee that bloodies Natalia up. Yes, love it. Give it to me. Money, money, money all the way, dude. I love it. I love it. The sight of Ronda and Shayna just being the ultimate bullies and beating Natalia down was money. Love it. 
After the break, MVP is in the ring and says he pulled some strings to make Braun Strowman's match a five-on-one match. Braun then comes out and destroys all five guys on the ramp with a huge running tackle. Braun then chases MVP around the ring and eventually catches up to him. So he beats him down to then hits three running power slams. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Something about this program has not clicked for me. Because now we're here at the match. I kept saying like, oh, well, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But it just never, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was a the mix of, of, of personalities or what. Or, but just uh, something just hasn't felt right to me. Maybe it's because Braun hasn't felt as much like a baby face to me. So it almost feels like two heels. I don't know. I realize that Braun has been positioned as a babyface, but I'm just saying, like, he hasn't been acting too much like a, you know, quote-unquote babyface. So maybe that's what it is. It just feels like two, two monsters, I guess, like, which is what they want. But it's, it does feel like two heels going against each other, and it's hard for me to get behind it when the, ba- the you know, the, the person who is supposed to be the babyface hasn't given me a lot of reasons to be cheering for them. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. You tweet me. Tell me if you agree. Tell me if I'm crazy. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Gunther backstage with Imperium, and he says he'll defend his title tonight with dignity, respect, and honor, and that Ray has no honor, which is why his son did what he did. Um, then next, we had Legato Del Fantasma backstage talking about Shinsuke Nakamura getting involved in their business. I really like the style of these promos. I think doing more of this on SmackDown will be good for them. Makes them look like mafiosos, but also just makes them look cool. You know, it makes um, them rolling cigars. They they got this, like, cool vibe. They're not getting what chanted by the crowd. It's just, um, it's, it's, it's unique to them in a way. I know it's stuff they've done in NXT anyways, but I think it'll make them stand out as unique. In, in some way by doing these. And also, I love the idea of Nakamura feuding with Santos Escobar. Like, dude, what a feud. That's going to be awesome. Like, just think about that. Think about how good those matches are going to be. Santos is great, dude. Like, Escobar kills it. Um, and Shinsuke Nakamura has recently kind of like, ever since Triple H come back, he's kind of getting a new shine again. He's kind of getting... Um, positioned as as a guy who has these amazing matches and so because of that I think that both of these guys will be looking to have a banger and a feud against each other and so yeah for me man I didn't even realize that last week when Nakamura came out and was part of the match with um with Hit Row so um now that we're here and they didn't mention Hit Row. They mentioned Santa. They mentioned Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm I'm super into this. Super into this. More Nakamura, more good matches, more Legato. I'm pumped on that. After that, we had the SmackDown World Cup announced for next week, as well as New Day versus the winners of Brawling Brutes and the Usos at Crown Jewel. That should be cool. I'm excited to see whatever that is all about. Uh, World Cup coming up on Fox. Big, big stuff happening for Fox. So if you're a soccer person, make sure you're up to date on our World Cup coverage. Lastly, main event, 
Gunther versus Rey Mysterio for the IC title. I liked the spot in this match where Gunther kept trying to body slam Rey, but Mysterio's size allowed him to hold on to Gunther's arms and, and, and stay on him. That just looked cool. I don't know. It was not something you see very often, but... The fact that he was like trying to trying so hard to slam him down, and Ray was just stuck to his arms, definitely was unique. There was another cool spot in the match where Ray went for a Hurricane Rana from the top rope to Gunther, but Gunther caught it and went to power bomb him. Then Ray reversed it in the air uh, and and mid air did a Hurricane Rana. That's when the match got a "This is awesome" chant from the crowd. Gunther eventually hits his power bomb though. And Ray kicks out. However, the finish saw Gunther stop the 619 with a brutal boot and then a clothesline for the pinfall victory. Champ retains. I like this match. You know, I don't think that it was, you know, necessarily some five star classic. It wasn't on the level of Theory versus Rollins. However, very entertaining match. I think when you have. Um, a legend like Rey Mysterio working with such a pro like Gunther, you know you're going to get some some good stuff. And there was lots of good spots throughout this match. And what I really enjoyed most, though, is I think that in another era, we saw too many legends put over the young guys, the new guys, the up-and-coming talent. And Gunther's IC title reign has been fabulous. He's been positioned great. He's been treated well. He's been made to look like an absolute beast in his matches. He's a guy that you don't want on the opposite side of the ring as you. And that's so good for him. But I think that in, in another world, in another regime, um, legends were winning too much over the younger talent. And so to see something like this where where Gunther is getting just a clean victory as a heel over a legend will do wonders for his credibility. Like I was saying earlier, we're raising people's stock here. And if you want to raise Gunther's stock, then getting him a win over Rey Mysterio in an IC title match is the way to do it. Okay, I got to quit here. I got to get a little bit of sleep so that I can be up early for Crown Jewel tomorrow. And like I said, I'm going to be back in this podcast feed. I'm going to be recording right after the show, and then I'll drop it as soon as I can and let you guys know what I think about Crown Jewel. All right, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another SmackDown Roundup.